Thanks for checking out this sermon from Redemption Church in Seattle, Washington, where we're enjoying Jesus, loving people, and making disciples. If you'd like to learn more about redemption, you can go to redemptionchurchseattle.com. Or better yet, come be our guest on a Sunday here in Green Lake. And today we look at Jesus' final words in the Sermon on the Mount. And final words are really important words if you think about it. They're words that if you're not sure when you're going to see someone again, or if you're not sure if you're going to see someone again, you really think about, what do I want to communicate to them? Ultimately, what do I not want them to forget? And so as we look at these words today, it's really set up well for us that we should take notice. As Jesus is speaking to this group on this mountainside, as we've been looking at this sermon, people he cares about, people he loves, people that he's ultimately going to give his life for. Although this sermon took place thousands of years ago, because the Word of God is a living Word, it's just as true, it's just as relevant for us today. So don't think about it as just Jesus speaking to this group of people, but Jesus is also speaking to us with these incredibly important words. He's speaking to you, He's speaking to me. And Jesus, over and over again throughout this sermon, he's been drawing a line in the sand, a very clear line. Jesus doesn't muddy things up. He shows us exactly what it means to be his disciple and what it means to not be his disciple. He shows us exactly what it means to follow him and not follow him, to trust him and not trust him. That's what we've seen over and over again, what it means to really place your faith in him or what it means to place your faith in religion what it means to take his word seriously, and what it means to take it for granted. A message that presents a question that every single one of us, whether you've been a Christian for 20 years, whether you've been a Christian for 20 minutes, whether you're coming in here today and and you say, "I, I wouldn't consider myself a Christian, it presents a question that all of us should take time and really take heart to think about and to contemplate. First and foremost, because it comes from Jesus And secondly, because the implications of how you answer this question couldn't be greater. And so here it is. It's short, but it's right to the point. What are you building your life on? What are you building your life on? For everything that Jesus has set up until this point, every instruction he's given, every truth that he's told, every warning that's come from his mouth, not as a harsh tyrant, but as a caring savior, it all leads up to this critical question that all of us should look at and examine. What am I building my life on? So let's look at this. This is going to be in Matthew chapter 7. It's going to be up on the screen. Also, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. We're going to be looking at verses 24 through 29, which Melissa read for us, and we will jump right in. Here's what it says, starting in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine So Jesus has been saying a lot of words, so this is the culmination, all of these words he's been saying, what a disciple looks like, what it doesn't, what you should do, what you shouldn't, what it means to follow him, what it means to not. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall, because it was founded on the rock, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And so Jesus wraps up his sermon with a parable of two builders. One 
he refers to as a wise person. One, he refers to as a foolish person. And just as important as the differences that we're going to look, look at in this are the similarities that we see as well. Here's the similarities right off the bat. You'll notice both built houses and both faced crisis. Both built houses and both faced crisis. I find it interesting here that Jesus doesn't say anything about what kind of house they built. Some houses, some lives look completely different, right? Different religions, different values, clear foundational differences, things that we would trust, things that we don't trust, and it's easy to see. It's pretty clear. It almost feels like it's black and white. We can see those very easily. But for all we know, these houses could have looked very similar. And the truth is here is that everyone, every single one of us is building our life on something. None of us are exempt from this. It would be very easy to think and assume here, well, I must be building my life on the right foundation because I I come to church, I'm in community, I'm in a life group, I give to people, I pray, I even fasted before Easter with with other people. So I must be living my life, must be building my life on, on the right foundation. And what I would say is maybe, but not so fast. Remember, the Pharisees did these things. The people that Jesus is calling out time and time and time again, and he's calling their works lawless. He, he really doesn't want the people that he's speaking to to follow it at all, what the Pharisees are doing or how they're living their life. They prayed, they fasted, they gave, right? Looks pretty good from the outside. From the outside, people assume these were the religious elite. These were the best of the best. These were the most righteous people among them. But then Jesus exposes them by going below the surface. But let's not kid ourselves here. The appeal of building our lives on sand is great. It's great. And when you build your life on sand, what it looks like is it's, it's an easier build. You don't have to go as deep. Uh, it can even seem uh, good for a while. It doesn't require as much. Even as Christians, if you're a Christian here today, there are times in our lives when we will want to run and build sandcastles with our lives. Um, last week, I, I got an opportunity to spend some time at a, at a beach um, with the Lacey family. It was great, and hanging out with uh, their girls, and, and they were building sandcastles, and a lot of other people were building sandcastles, and these sandcastles looked really cool, and, and, and it was fun, and it was a good time. But what I noticed about sandcastles and what Jesus is really getting at here with a foundation built on sand is here's what I noticed. When the waves would come in, those sandcastles are all wiped away because they were never meant to really stand because they weren't, they weren't on a good foundation. And that's what Jesus is trying to make really abundantly clear here. Everybody's building a house on something. I read an article this week, and it had a really great line in it. It says this, there are two types of people in this world, those who are facing a crisis and those who will be. And it really is true. We're all building our lives on something, and no matter who we are, no matter how much money we have, no matter how great may, things may seem today, the rain's going to come, the waves are going to come, the wind's going to blow for all of us without exception. Sometimes the floods come in the form of illness that you didn't expect. Maybe you get a diagnosis you didn't expect or a family member close to you or a close friend gets one and it really shakes you up and it tests the foundation that you have. Sometimes the rain of a personal loss starts pouring in on your life. 
the loss of a job, maybe some of you experienced that, the loss of income that you were depending on, the loss of security, maybe it's come up in a relationship, the loss of trust with someone that you thought you could trust, a spouse, with your kids, with family members, and it's shaken you up and it really puts your foundation to the test. Sometimes the winds that come and they rain down on our life or they bang against our life or sometimes the winds of doubt, doubt that you may not even be sure where it came from. This doubt that pops in that says, can I really trust God? Do I really believe this or do I not believe this? Maybe you've experienced something that you didn't expect, something that's put God into question in your life and now the winds of doubt are rushing in and you feel them pressing up against you and you're not sure if you're going to remain standing. Sometimes that's what the wind looks like, the unexpected, when your life gets turned upside down and you know that life will maybe never look the same. Circumstance comes along and things change. And you feel like you've been shaken up. Sometimes it's things that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. And it leads to some serious doubts or serious questions about God and how he operates. The storm may leave you with major life questions in the day in and day out. And it feels like a dark cloud is fixed over you. Some of you have experienced that. Some of you are there right now. The storm of life, the real crisis that come in big and small ways may be pounding down on you right now and the foundation in which you are building your life, where you have placed your feet, is being tested. You're feeling all the hurt. You're feeling all the pain. You're feeling all the brokenness, the constant anxiety. It's all real. It's not fake. It's right in front of you. Even some of us may be depressed this morning and it's palpable and it's real. The circumstance is overwhelming and our clarity feels very diminished. Can anyone relate with that? These storms come and they will keep coming. And that's just the truth. It's the truth of a broken life. It's the truth of a broken world. It's, it's our reality. And I'll be completely honest with you. There have been times in my life where I've seriously questioned my foundation, where I've questioned God, where I've questioned what it would look like to walk away, what it would look like just to, just to say, I, I, I'm done with this. Those times when life is so shaken up that you really don't know which way is up and which way is down. But here's what I would tell you. The thing that has kept me from walking away and the thing that has actually drawn me even closer to Jesus during these times of darkness, during these times of doubt, during these times of pain. It's been the fact that he's always met me there, but really what it's come down to is the fact that he knows absolutely everything about my heart. And my heart is far from perfect. The rebellion, the doubts, the anger, the fears, the sin, he knows all of it, but he's never left. Because he's a constant. Because he's the rock. He's never met and he's always met me there. And sometimes it's been meeting me there with the encouragement of community. Sometimes it's been your encouragement as a church. Sometimes it's been in his very word. Sometimes it's been in prayer. Sometimes it's been face down just in the silence. And he just speaks to you with a small voice. The reality is storms are going to come. But the other reality is, is Jesus is always good to his word. And he's always there. And he's the rock in this parable. And, and, and here's, here's what I would say. This is true for me. might be true for you as well. When these things happen, when these storms come, the most important question isn't what do I do, but where do I go? 
A lot of times we want to say, what do I do? This is what I do. What do I do to solve this situation? What do I do to make things different? What do I do to change the visual? What do I do to get rid of this that I'm struggling with? What can I do to get, get rid of this struggle? And we run and run and run and we're running until our heads are almost spinning off when really the most important question shouldn't be first and foremost, what do I do, but where do I go? Where do I go? And if you've been building your life on Jesus, and I know imperfectly, because once again, we tend to sometimes want to run and build sandcastles because it seems appealing. But if you've been building your life on Jesus, you've been building your life on the safest, most freeing, best foundation possible. And what I would encourage you with is no matter what happens today or tomorrow, what happens, what's happened in your past, is continue to stand firm on that foundation. Don't move your feet. Even though it can seem appealing, you are in the safest place possible when you're with Jesus. Where's Jesus met you in the crisis? Where's Jesus met you in the storm? How has he been a rock of encouragement to see you through, or how has he seen you through? I want to give a few of you, honestly, right now, we, we don't do this often, but just an opportunity, because here's, here's, here's the reality today, is that some of you in here, you're going through the storm right now, and what you need to hear more than anything is not just to let go and let God it's not a, you know what, just, just let go of that and just roll through and everything will be better tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow won't be better. Maybe tomorrow will be worse. But the promise is that Jesus is going to walk through tomorrow with you. But what some of us need to hear today is not just another platitude. What some of us need to hear today is just small stories of grace from some of you and where Jesus has seen you through or where he's seen you through. And so Alex has a mic Raise your hand if you would like to share a story of how God has seen you through a crisis or how he's seen you through as an encouragement to the rest of us and as a testimony to his grace and his goodness. Who's got something? My name's Jessica, um, and I think if we think about it, we can all think of something um, that God's been doing to show grace to us. Um, I'm just thinking back when we moved back to Seattle a year and a half ago, um, which had a lot going on, had a baby at the same time that we moved and had changes in our kids' schooling and um, hurtful family circumstances. Um, but I'm just so grateful for the community that we've had here, the love that God's shown, the healing. And I would like to say that things are better in um, some of the relationships. They're not. Mm. But I know that God's working in my heart and I see him working in my kids. Um, my son, been praying for him to be soft to Jesus, and we've seen that change. He's been um, even referencing it himself, saying that he, he knows that he's different than he was before. I see God working in his heart, softening him, and yeah, working in us, and grateful for the community that we have here, and just I know that God's faithful in the midst of it, even when um, we don't have the answers. It doesn't all make sense, and we don't necessarily see all the changes we long for. We still see that he's faithful. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, my name is Ryan, and my wife Pamela is about 23, 24 weeks pregnant, and the baby has a cleft lip and cleft palate. As many of you know, we have a lot of friends here um, who are kind of following along with that, but it's been encouraging how God has surrounded us with community that's, help, that's um, helpful and um, praying for us and bringing us meals 
and helping with medical bills. What I'm astounded by is that it's helpful like when we reach out, like, you know, we have a close group on GroupMe, so we say, you know, we went to an appointment today and we learned this, and people are praying for us, and that's helpful and awesome. But what's even more cool to see is like in the weeks between, you know, we haven't had an appointment in three weeks, um, but like Pamela will be having a hard day and we haven't told anyone and like three people reach out for prayer or um, a family brings like food on, you know, when we haven't told anyone. So I feel like it's God like reaching out to us like um, even when uh, it's not something that like we have started and someone has responded, which is wonderful, but even even when he hasn't, then that's um, been super encouraging to us. Thanks for sharing that, Ryan. Yeah. One more. I saw a hand over here somewhere. Yeah, it's uh, actually there's a situation that's come up. My name's Conrad, by the way. Um, about, I mean, now 15 years ago, I remember having, uh, feeling like I lost my brother. Uh, I remember I had my birthday in a psych unit visiting him and just being like, this, this, is, this is what our family's life is like now. I have a brother who's completely gone. He like, can't even really talk with him, to, everything from paranoia to mania to just not being safe around himself. Um, and even as I think through, like, well, how did that change? Why is everything different now? Um, it was just crazy how we ended up there. Um, and just the feeling of my whole family just being like, we don't have, you know, this family member anymore. Um, and then even trying to think through how it changed back, because <laughs> it, it did. Uh, like this next weekend, I'm going to visit my brother down in Florida, graduating um, with a PhD in uh, uh, music composition. And just the way that God has surrounded his life and just over the past decade or so, just allowing him to have a normal life and things changing in that way. But um, this really the storm of that for my family has led to so many of us just then going, okay, mental health isn't the scary thing. What other storms God do you have for us? And, uh, you know, there's been storms in other families or other family members' lives, but then also just coming alongside people and seeing, like, well, there's there's a lot here that... Uh, Oh, I've seen God work in this before. What? Okay, God, what, what do we, what do I do now? How do we pray for this person? Um, I just wanted to share, just as I was mm. thinking about that today. Just yeah, Thanks mental health doesn't doesn't conquer. So, thanks for sharing that, Connor. Yeah, the reason that I think it's important to hear these things is because these are real testaments to what God is doing and what He does, of the type of foundation that He really is. And not to seek to put a band-aid over what you face or what you will face or what you have faced, but to remind us all because we constantly forget and we constantly need reminders of just how good God is and how he speaks to us and how he moves within our lives. As you just heard, sometimes it's through community. Sometimes it's just through him showing up in different ways where it's clear that that's him and it's not something else. It's not, it couldn't be anything else that he's the safest place for you to be and for you to build your life on. It's clear the similarities here. Everybody's building a house and everybody has storms that are going to come, but the real difference comes here with the foundation 
and the outcome. With the foundation that we actually build, I grew up in Missouri, and we had a lot of tornadoes. We don't have tornadoes here, not that I've noticed, but we did in Missouri all the time, and it was amazing to me when tornadoes would come, people that had built their, built their houses on really poor or shoddy foundations or those who knew that their houses maybe weren't constructed that well, all of a sudden, as if it was some great surprise, would start scrambling to try to secure their home. And these homes would get destroyed or they would get hit by tornadoes, and it was as if it was a surprise. And I think for a lot of us, we have this tendency to think that there might always be, well, there's more time, or I don't need to think about this right now, or I don't need to take this seriously right now, or maybe just hearing these words of Jesus is enough, or maybe just showing up to church on Sunday is enough, or maybe just serving my neighbors is enough, or maybe if I toss up a prayer every once in a while, that'll be enough. And we make this mistake of buying into this lie that that's what a firm foundation is, or that's what Jesus is really all about, when what he's really seeking is a relationship with us. That's why Jesus, over this past several weeks even, leading up to these final words, has been drawing such a line in the sand. Can you remember some of these words? He, 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 doesn't, uh, he doesn't gray it up. It's black and white. There's a narrow gate, and there's a wide way, and few will find the narrow. There's good fruit, and there's bad fruit. There's a reality with me, and there's a reality without me. Jesus is very clear on the things that he has to say, and we should never buy into this idea that, well, I don't need to really think about this right now. Or maybe in the middle of a storm, I can start rebuilding a foundation. That that doesn't really work well. What are you building your life on now? What are you building your life on now? There are two options here when it comes to Jesus that he said, acceptance or rejection. There are two realities for every single person without exception, depending on what you do build your life on, an eternity with God or eternity without him. And as Jesus makes abundantly clear the consequences of not knowing him, what does it say here for that builder, that foolish man? It's going to be a fall, a great fall. What is he talking about here? Ultimately, the greatest fall is eternal separation from him, from the creator, We've talked about it in the last several weeks in a real place, not a make-believe place, but a real place called hell, a place of eternal separation from God, and it's not just eternal separation from God, although that is the worst possible reality, but it is a place of torment, it is a place of loneliness, it is a place of pain and destruction, a place that we all, every single one of us, deserve because of our sin, because of our hearts, because we built lives that were sinking on sand. Every one of us deserve it, but through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, through the grace that he offers, he really does, he throws us a life raft, he pulls us back up on solid ground on his very own life. And this isn't make-believe, and this isn't something we should take lightly. If you're in here today, you don't know Jesus, don't take these words lightly. Nobody can force you to believe it, but at least examine it, at least look at what Jesus has to say. Don't go another day, don't go another hour without asking these questions. Jesus wants to know you more than anything. He wants to know you and he has life for you. He doesn't want you to sink underneath your own sin. That's why he went to the cross on your behalf. Because he didn't want to lose you. Because he wants a relationship with you. 
And that's why as Jesus starts out this passage, he says, it's not enough to just hear what I have to say, that's sand. And it's not enough just to show up and have good works with bad motives, that's still sand. But be doers, because your heart's been changed. That's what James 1.22 says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The Pharisees, they knew a lot about God. They knew about his law, they could even recite it better than you and I could. But it wasn't enough. It was just a religious show. They were trying to look the part, but they weren't the part. They were trying to fake the relationship, but they didn't have the relationship. They had the good works, but they had bad motives. And that's why Jesus has been pushing back against all this false religion this entire time and saying, that's not the way. That's not righteousness. There's something missing. When you get below the surface, what you'll see is a rotten and wicked heart. And that's what Jesus always does. He gets to our heart. Don't play games with God. Don't play games with one another. Do you know that it doesn't matter if you look the part of a Christian and you show up every week and you do the right things and you even convince your family that you're a Christian and you have a relationship with Jesus and you fool your community all around you? In the end, that doesn't matter because in the end, we're all facing Jesus and we're either facing grace or we're facing judgment. And so don't just fake it like that. That's not the biggest issue in your life is to put on a show for the others around you. Do you really have a relationship with him? Have you really come to know him? Have you experienced him at a deeper level? Have you been willing to give him everything you've got and place your life underneath his authority? That's the real question. That's where foundations really come into play. It's not about being whitewashed tombs and it's not about putting on a show. It gets to the matters of the heart. That's why Jesus shows us this entire sermon, what a changed heart really looks like. You remember some of these words. He said, you've heard it said, do not murder, but I say to you, don't be angry with your brother because a changed heart wouldn't. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I say to you, don't even lust after another person because a changed heart doesn't even want to go that far. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I tell you, turn the other cheek, because it's the result of a changed heart. No amount of religion, no amount of coming to church, no amount of prayers prayed, no amount of hours served, no amount of outward appearance will put you on a firm foundation with God. It's not when you hear what Jesus has to say, as a lot have, it's when you actually meet him. When your heart is changed in a way that doesn't just try to look the part or look for loopholes on an easier way, but actually seeks the will of God, actually wants to pray to get closer to God, actually wants to fast because God is worth more, wants to give out of a generous heart, seeks the kingdom first, pleads for God to save our neighbors, sacrifices time and energy, or slow to anger, or quick to forgive, looks out for the outcast, looks out for the oppressed, a heart that's bothered by your sin, that can't just sit in it, that weeps over it, that brings it to Jesus This is the foundation built on the rock of Jesus' life. It's a heart that's been changed by Jesus, through Jesus, submitting to the authority of Jesus and is walking along with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a changed life. That's a changed heart. And that is what it means to be on the firm foundation, on the rock that can't be moved on Jesus' very life. Jesus so wants to know you. For some of you, you know him and you have a relationship with him, but it's grown a little stagnant. Because you've wandered over into the side yard and you've started building sandcastles and mud piles. He hasn't moved and he wants you to draw close to him. And for some, maybe you've been building your whole life on sand. You've been putting all your trust in other things. All your trust in money. All your trust in 
401k, all your trust in other relationships, all your trust in feelings of security, all your trust in being well-known, all your trust in your job position, whatever it may be, and he's trying to save you. Verse 28, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowd were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. The people realized this wasn't just another religious teacher. He taught with authority because he was given authority by the Father as the Son of God who could provide this immovable foundation. You see, the greatest storm in our life, it's not what's going to come, it's what's already happened. When you breathe your very first breath as a young baby, you experience the greatest storm in your life, which was the need for a Savior to actually save you. Us, imperfect beings, immediately in need. In need of a Savior just as much as a baby is in need of a mother or father to care for them and to take care of them because they couldn't do it on their own. The greatest crisis you'll ever face is the possibility or reality of going it alone without Jesus. And Jesus, out of his love, out of his kindness, out of his grace, he, he really does make this way. A Savior who makes right what we never could, what money never will, what health can't sustain, what your spouse and kids never can be, a Savior who tells you the truth even when it's greatly offensive, and he keeps telling you the truth, all wrapped up in grace, not shame, in love, not abandonment, and in understanding, not frustration. There was a startling article that Alex uh, sent the pastors this week on our state. Here's what I had to say. Ever since pollsters began asking Americans about their faith, Washington has been ranked among the least religious states in the country. I know that's a shocker, right? Some of you are shocked by that. But Washington, and here's what should be concerning, Washington has never been as secular as it is right now. A record number of state residents didn't identify with any religion in 2017, according to polling done by Gallup. This Gallup poll, 47% of adults in the state say they are not religious, have never attended religious services. The reason that I want to share this is because as we look at our own lives, sometimes we can only look at our own lives. But as a church, I want us to think further than that. As you go out into this community today, as you go into your neighborhood today, as you interact with your coworkers tomorrow, The foundation that you are building your life on today is not just for you, it's for your kids. It's not just for you, it's for your spouse. It's not just for you, it's for the people that you interact with that have never even considered Jesus, that they might see that your foundation is different, that your trajectory is different, that the things you believe are different and they might take notice, they might investigate, they might ask questions. We are never in this relationship with Jesus just for ourselves, it's always bigger than that. And so as you are building a foundation or placing your life, not building, placing your life on a foundation, consider those around you and the implications of how you are living your life, who you're trusting in. Those around us that need to see what it looks like not to live on sand, but what it looks like to actually have a life that's firm, that's grounded on something that's not going to be moved, a real hope, a living hope. It's not just for us. 
And so as we conclude this passage today and as we conclude this series today, here's what Jesus has really been getting at all along is, do you know me? Do you have a relationship with me? And he would offer you the same thing today and he does that he offers, he's always offered. If you haven't met him, he wants to meet you. He really does, no matter what, no matter how you come to him, dirty, tattered, broken, scarred up, beat down, He'll take you as you are right there. He'll take you, he'll clean you up, he'll give you a new life. So he wants to meet you. If you have, you are a Christian here today, I would just ask, are there things in your life that you can identify right now where you would say, yeah, that's not rock, that's sand? That you can identify in your life and say, yeah, I've been putting way too much weight into that. I've been putting way too much weight into this. I've been way too secure over here in this area that you might look at and say, you know what, my tendency when crises tend to come is I tend to run to this, not to Jesus. Would you be honest about those things today with God? Before you take communion, would you be honest with him? Would you confess these areas of your life? Would you confess these struggles? Would you confess these temptations? And would you repent of these things? Sometimes we see repentance as a negative thing. Really, it's the most freeing thing that we can give away what we've been wrestling with, our tendencies to run from God, to push back, and instead we can give those over to him and take it off of our shoulders. Are there areas in your life today? And if you are a Christian today, I would encourage you, continue to stand on the foundation of Jesus. It's a foundation in which you can't be moved. No matter what comes your way, no matter what happens tomorrow, Jesus is and will always be the one and only true firm foundation because he's the only one who took everything you had and he still overcame the grave and he offers you life instead of the death that we deserve. So the question again, what foundation are you building your life on? Will it hold up? And with Jesus, I can tell you the answer is absolute. Yes and yes again and again, not only for now, but for eternity.